if their offerings are getting closer and closer from differentiation standpoint, but they have legacy customer in in the lower product in this particular case, they have to choose a path. They have to they they have to choose a path of either driving people towards the the higher product in this case the mid product or making this product really tailored for a niche. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevage IQ. While you might feel that SAP does not care for the SMB market, SAP Business One is one of the most successful products. SAP Business One incorporates all the great features such as financial control and relationship map along with the speed of the HANA database. SAP Business One also has a similar data model and architecture as their other product, which provides the SAP experience at a fraction of the cost. But SAP Business One Cloud is not as advanced as its on-prem variant. So is SAP Business One still a potential option for you or should you be looking at some other cloud and web enabled products? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of SAP Business One's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their crowd journey and their strength with their on-prem solution, such as the transactional traceability features, similar to their bigger products, such as SAP S4 HANA and SAP Business by Design. Finally, we discussed features such as their sales and assembly bombs and how they are better suited for project-based manufacturing because they have dates on their operations. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution independently. And then uh, we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insights. For today, we have a very exciting vendor for the solution that is called SAP Business One. We have done a couple of sessions on SAP and this is their smallest product. So we are going to have a lot of fun reviewing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. I have been leading ERP implementation for over 20 years. And SAP Business One has been always there in a lot of our engagements. So it's going to be a lot of fun discussing that. On that note, I am going to move to Phil for his intro. Hi, Sam. Hi, everybody. I'm Phil Kerper, Managing Director of, of Ringling Business Solutions. We help executive leadership teams align their digital transformation strategy with their core businesses. 
and I come to you with over 20 years experience in the C-suite, a lot of ERP experience and some and some particular experience with Business One. So looking forward to it tonight. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business, working with manufacturing leaders, helping them create systems to optimize profitability and culture. And I come to you with more than 20 years uh, experience in operations, implementing ERPs and systemizing businesses. So excited to be here. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Absolutely, Sam. Uh, my name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved in ERP software for small to, mi- small to mid-sized manufacturers for the last four decades. I've worked all over North America. I've worked with over a thousand manufacturers and I have a published book on the topic of how to select ERP software. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here. And if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. Typically, we try to cover them during the show. And if you cannot get to them, then our panelists are going to make sure that you receive your answers. So on that note, I am going to start with the briefing for um, today's solution. Uh, if you guys don't know what SAP Business One is, as I mentioned, this is one of the smallest products from uh, the SAP portfolio. We have, I believe, I don't know if we have done SAP S4 HANA yet. Um, you guys can remind me, we have done one session on SAP. We have done one session on SAP Business by Design. So in the uh, SAP food chain, uh, you know, you have the small solution, you have the mid-sized solution, and then you have the big solution. So SAP Business One is the, the smallest. Now, people always talk about SAP Business by Design because that is the stepchild in SAP's portfolio. But SAP Business One, for some reason, receives a lot of attention, even though a lot of people think that SAP is not really focused uh, on the small business segment. Overall, from the uh, visibility perspective, SAP Business One has always been a very successful. It has roughly 70,000 installations. If I, we have some numbers that we can go over, which seems like it probably has more installations than your Microsoft GP. If I recall correctly from Microsoft Session, I don't know if you guys recall or not, Microsoft GP has roughly 60,000. Uh, so this is uh, 70,000. SAP Business One is especially successful in South America, Europe, where you are going to have a lot of complex localizations and the geography is very complex from the taxation and regulation perspective. That's where SAP Business One is really uh, successful. Uh, Now, overall, from the product perspective, as we all know, SAP is really behind in the cloud journey. And sometimes, you know, when you are going to be talking to a lot of different partners, they will not tell you the difference between real cloud, fake cloud, but this is a super fake cloud. Uh, you know, when you are looking from the partner's perspective, because SAP cloud version of SAP Business One is going to be super lean and limited. And we are going to review the screens, uh, again, coming directly from SAP in terms of what web capabilities they have, they have in the cloud version, which is very, very, very lean. Um, you cannot probably utilize that for your business at this time. The uh, partners have created a lot of different custom arrangements. They have very thick IT, IP sitting on top of SAP Business One. And that's how somehow they are able to sort of enable cloud. Sometimes it blows my mind, you know, how they are able to do it. <laughs> but they are somehow able to sell it as the cloud product. 
but obviously that is probably going to be hosted on the partners infrastructure that is probably not supported uh, SAP cloud. SAP cloud uh, for SAP business one is going to be extremely lean and limited. Now, uh, overall from the product perspective, you are going to see on my face when I am going to be reviewing SAP product because I absolutely love them the way they are designed. Okay, the SAP product, all of them, including SAP business one has one of the best product architecture, the way the, the data is supposed to be organized. Uh, I just don't know any other products in the market that are going to have as streamlined architecture from the data model perspective. And that is probably the reason why SAP is so slow because it does require a, a lot of thinking uh, to be able to uh, develop the data model. Otherwise, it's going to feel very patchy. It's all over the place. And most of the vendors in the market, they are really patchy with the only exception being Acumatica, which is very well organized product, the way product is designed. And for some reason, Acumatica is able to move far faster in the market uh, you know, compared to any other vendors, including SAP, even though they hardly have any reason. SAP probably has, I don't know how many reasons. Um, so that's pretty much from the briefing perspective. Do you guys have any questions, comments? I would just echo that localization comment that you made, Sam. Um, the, the times I've, I've run into this software, they, there's companies that were very happy with it because of its ability to be localized, particularly in Europe, South America, places like that. I just think that's a real strength for them. Yep, I agree. Uh, anything else, Dave, Andy? I was just going to mention that, uh, you know, to be very clear, as you mentioned, SAP has three major products to promote, and uh, they purchased the SAP Business One product from a, a Israeli company about 20 years ago or so yeah yeah um and was for the full purpose of they were sap was losing business because some of these smaller organizations that were being using the big sap at corporate were going off and buying other vendors because it was too big for their facility so this was a great little plug and play and to be able to maintain their customer base well, one more quick comment sam and i just a buyer beware comment um, the the SIs or the sales side, the salespeople in the SIs, just ask a lot of questions. If you've already kind of liked the SAP environment, or maybe you're already on it within some on-prem and looking at at a different environment, they, they, they push you up the the food chain. Yep. And um and and you really got to ask a lot of questions about where your particular application belongs uh, in the food chain, you know, and and that you're buying the right product, assuming you've settled in on SAP or even if you're comparing them to a few other platforms. Okay, great points, guys. Um, you don't have any other comments, then I am going to move to the detailed discussion now. So here, as Andy pointed out, that SAP Business One was initially launched in Israel in 1996 under the name called Manahal. And I don't know what that is. I think it's called Manager is what they have written, you know, or Top Manage uh, for countries out of Israel. Uh, in 2000, Top Manage started its global expansion into markets in Europe and Latin America. And that could have been the reason why it has always had very strong presence in those markets. And, and those are very unique markets. Sometimes companies don't even want to target those countries because they are going to be just too small. We have seen from our discussions that Aptine is trying to capture those very small, tiny needs because nobody else is there. So that could be a great market for them. But in this particular case, obviously, SAP has very strong localization component built as part of the product and not just SAP business one across all of them. And for that matter, even Microsoft is going to have. So the products 
from the bigger companies are going to have far broader localization capabilities that you are not going to find with some of the other vendors. For example, Infor, Apicor, uh, Acumatica, NetSuite has far broader localization. Um, so in the other cases, you're not going to find they are going to have far deeper operational capabilities. Uh, but overall, from the localization perspective, they are not going to be penetrated uh, as penetrated globally. Um, now, here they are saying top managers, uh, they also acquired the sister company, I guess, that it was a full merger. Uh, you know, they finally ended up acquiring pretty much everything that that company had. So that's how I am reading these comments. Uh, you know, then the commentary is saying the acquisition allowed SAP to reach out to the small market through partners, also to gain additional business from the smaller subsidiaries of its enterprise customers. So Andy, I'm not sure how true the comment that you made is that, but I think that or the reason why SAP acquired SAP, because obviously they wanted to get their foothold in the smaller market. They were never a company for the small to medium business market, but this is how they got into the small to medium size business market. Even today, if you look at the way SAP organization is structured, it's very different. SMB is one team, uh, you know, enterprise is one team. They, uh, they have been trying to merge them together, but it's very rare that they are going to, uh, you know, work as part of one. Now, uh, you know, some more comments here. Overall, uh, I think there is a, a little journey here, you know, how SAP Business One has been evolved. So in 2010, I think they introduced the Kestrel Reports Integration Unified Code Base. In 2012, they did some of the usability enhancements, uh, SAP HANA support, which is a big deal, in my opinion, for a product that is going to be as small as SAP Business One, if you are getting HANA and Fury, I love both of them, to be honest. I mean, it is one of the best experience uh, from the UX perspective. There are two or three different products that I am a big fan of overall from the UX perspective. Obviously, one is going to be SAP. The second is going to be Acumatica. Third is going to be Epicor because of the kinetic. And they are really good at UX. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about anything else, just UX at this point of time. So uh, here, Fury is amazing. HANA is amazing, no questions about that. 2013, they introduced single sign-on, bin locations, and that's where they got the 64-bit client. So by the way, they are going to have HANA, they are going to have Fury, but on Dex, they don't have cloud, okay? So uh, make sure you understand that because when you're looking at the product, it's not going to be uh, you know, cloud, it's probably not going to be web, even if it is going to be, if it is going to be web, then most likely it is going to be partner hosted. They must have used some tricks uh, to port to that product somehow over web, but uh, officially from SAP, the cloud version is very, very, very lean. So if SAP Business One is promoting a cloud version, that would be a single tenant, is that right? Okay, so let's step back a little bit and, and discuss the single tenant versus multi-tenant, so depending upon how you describe that, right? So SAP Business One, the comparable for SAP Business One is going to be Microsoft GP, it's going to be SysPro, it's probably going to be Macola. So depending upon how you define single tenant, if you uh, talk to anybody, especially if you talk to technical people, they are going to say it's multi-tenant because you know that's how SAP and process. But the way I like to look at from the ERP perspective is really from how your entities are going to be stored in the databases. Do, do you have to log in and log out to be able to access the information of the other entity? Or are those entities going to be sharing the data 
Um, you know, when we talk about vendor master, customer master, item master, can you manage your item master from one location and promote it to other locations? So that's where the serious functionality of multi-entity is. SAP Business One is not designed for that. In fact, SAP is very clear in their positioning, how they like to position their products. So SAP Business One is supposed to be for the smaller customers, which do not require multi-entity functionality as much, even though they might have multiple entities, but their databases are probably going to be separate, okay? So they are going to have localization in a lot of different countries, but the whole idea is you must have a small operation, otherwise you should probably be using something like SAP Business My Design, which nobody likes, <laughs> uh, you know, or SAP S4 HANA. But the whole idea of SAP Business One is you must have, you know, just one entity, one legal entity, and that's where SAP Business One is positioned right. So I don't know if I answered your question. Any follow-up comments there, Andy? Okay, so here, uh, you know, obviously until 2014, it was really lean. That's where they introduced the resources module, the branches, uh, and the branches concept come from uh, the slightly more retail decision products. Uh, Phil, as we had reviewed, Acumatica has branch concept. When you are going to have these franchises, so the whole idea is sometimes the branches are going to have balance sheet. Sometimes they are going to be CPNL uh, centric, uh, you know, uh, branches. So most products that are going to retail distribution centric, they can support both of these scenarios. But that is not your, you know, the company, the entity, and then uh, you have the site and then you have the branch, right? So the branches are, are not supposed to be the legal entity. They are still supposed to be or just the, it's not dimension either. Uh, some products track it as just the dimension. Uh, which is not a very cleaner model. So in this particular case, it's still going to be slightly more company, but it's not it's not a company. I don't know <laughs> if I'm making sense here. No, I think you are, and that's that's pretty consistent with all of these, is it not, Sam? That you're gonna you're gonna tie a balance sheet to to an entity of some sort, and then uh, you know if you have branches or you have other uh, uh, you know sub organizations, if you will, that you'll you'll tie you know sales, gross margin, opex expenses, things like that, but probably not balance to it. You'll do that more on an enterprise or on a business basis. And I think so, that's consistent with a lot of these packages. So I want to be clear there. So in terms of the entity, if you look at all of these products, typically entity is going to have the chart of account. It's going to have a currency, distinct currency. Some uh, products are going to be limited. They cannot support different currencies. So for example, let's say if you have a legal entity in Canada, legal entity in the US, then you are probably going to be creating these in two different entities. And then you might have two sites in Canada, four sites in the US, and those are going to be repre represented more uh, as the site. Now, you are a retail organization, you might have five stores, uh, let's say, you know, under uh, one entity in the US. Now, those could be branches, sometimes they could be an L based, sometimes they could be balance sheet depending upon how you are structured. Right, and I don't want to get too far on the weeds, but it's really a matter of if you have a full ledger or a sub-ledger, right? So so it's really a matter of at what degree are you reporting the financials? In other words, at what degree are you rolling that entire business up? Entities, uh, one of those words that's used in different ways, but in this case, it's it probably fits, right? It's a it's a it's an actual business. It's a it's a business that's a legal entity. You would need a a full ledger for that business in any of right. these software packages. I agree. Uh, okay, so in 2016, they introduced the project management capabilities, the browser access, you know, browser access. And again, I don't think this is the cloud browser access. Uh, you know, this is, I don't know what that is, but, you know, they sort of seems to be claiming that they probably introduced there. And then they are talking about MRP, but that was only available in HANA version. So HANA is going to have far deeper capabilities, at least for the very deep technical capabilities uh, from the 
recommendation perspective, from the MRP perspective, they are all going to be available in HANA because SQL could not support the workload uh, that uh, a product as thick as SAP business really needed. The customer 360 was only only present in, in HANA just because of the transactional depth, uh, you know, as I always talk about, because when you are trying to associate pretty much everything related to that customer, to the customer record, that becomes a very, 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 very uh, thick, uh, you know, business object that if you are going to be operating on that or if you're retrieving that, uh, that becomes a very thick call overall from the database perspective. And that's why they probably had that only in case of HANA. Then in 2017, they did a little bit of production enhancement, RMA features they launched. So as you can see, I mean, again, I don't think the SAP business one had very deep functionality overall. You know, it was supposed to be very light manufacturing product in general. Uh, you know, it was not supposed to be a very thick product. So in 2020, this is where I guess they launched the Fury experience. And that is something I, I absolutely love, the way Fury is done. And then they introduced some of the interactive can chart, uh, project management. Again, the operational project management capabilities that we have seen in the case of Microsoft that you are going to find in this authenticity as well. Uh, and we are going to be reviewing their manufacturing, the way SAP likes to think about manufacturing scheduling. In my mind, that's far stronger in general, the way they have done. And, and Andy, we can talk about the differences in the other manufacturing software. Uh, you know, some of the things that I definitely want to point out, the way SAP approaches it. And these capabilities are available with SAP Business One fairly. But again, again, that's going to be in the desktop world. Okay, not in the cloud world. Cloud world does not have the production yet. So I want to be crystal clear there. Okay, so I can take some more comments. So th this is the latest slide from them. And this is the announcement that is coming from 2021-2022 announcement. Uh, and they uh, claimed that they had roughly 70,000 plus customer, 1.2 million users available uh, in as many uh, as 50 country localizations in 28 languages. Um, SAP Business One used in more than 170 countries. I don't doubt that at all. Uh, and then you have 360 plus large enterprises running Business One in 7,000 subsidiaries. And guys, uh, and Phil, you can help me with maths here, but that seems like that, you know, probably on an average, they have roughly 20 subsidiaries that are running on Business One, which is commendable. I don't recommend it. Okay, running 20 on business one is a big deal. You should not be doing that, but seems like they are probably doing that. And that's probably a stretch because these partners are, are trying to oversell SAP business capability. Yeah, or they're using this for limited functionality and they got other things going on too, it's possible. You know, that that I don't see this this software in that app and with that many uh, um, spread that thin if you, it just yeah. doesn't seem right. Yeah, and most likely in, in my experience, if you are in the geography such as Europe or South America, sometimes you might be making $50,000 in each country because those countries are going to be very small. So you don't have to connect them. That is just a stretch to integrate them, to be honest. Okay, so, but I mean, you have to be in those countries because you might have 300 people living in that country. Uh, then you have to move to some other country. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's why it does really well in uh, South America as well as Europe, just because the, the local overall footprint of those countries is probably going to be really small. The amount of revenue that you can get in those countries is small. So you anyways need to expand to 10 countries uh, to feed your family. <laughs> 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 okay, so 
Any other comments, guys? Well, I just one one uh, comment on that lower right hand side of this of this slide. So it's always interesting to find out, especially a company that has multiple platforms of where they're investing and what their roadmap is. And you know, are they are they are they investing in in one of their software options, or are they kind of letting it die on the vine, which means it may be getting to the end of its life? And their motto, enrich the core and extend the web client, implies that they're in investing. But when I looked at that uh, yellow section there, I'm interested in your guys' opinion. It doesn't look like they're adding that much real functionality to their cloud client. So I'm wondering if this really, I mean, everybody wants the cloud, but I wonder if this really is an on-prem solution more than a future cloud solution based on their roadmap. Interested in your opinion on that. Dave, uh, you unmuted yourself. Comment? Yeah, I was just going to say from my perspective, Phil, I mean, uh, again, looking at the material available, it seems as though that they're they're positioning it that way. Um, it's out of all the solutions we've seen, it seems like that's a pretty clear tact uh, from their positioning standpoint. That's at least my perspective on it. I'd be curious to see where you stand on it, Sam. Yeah, honestly speaking, Phil, the there are two reasons. Number one, SAP is not as committed to the SMB irrespective of how hard they want to yell that, no, 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 I care for my SMB market. So for them, SMB is just a lead generation strategy. Okay, so the, from the product development perspective, they have put something out there. When they had acquired, the product was really thick. They didn't put as much effort overall in developing that, right? That's probably the reason why it is going really slow and then they have a conflict. In my opinion, if you are going to make this product as thick as SAP Business by Design, <laughs> why are you not promoting that product, which is the wonderful product? You know, it, it has far deeper functionality. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever why you have to, in my opinion, you know, they should just kill SAP Business One, but then 70,000 customers that they have, they are not going to be happy. Okay, <laughs> so that is the challenge that SAP is running into. Uh, and the partners are not going to be happy about it either because in the traditional SAP Business One world, partners actually made a ton more money than SAP did, to be honest, from SAP Business One because the thick IP and the cloud infrastructure that they had on top of the SAP platforms, again, partners have far more cloud in this game and that has been a challenge for SAP. And right now, they have to please the partners. They have to please the customers. So it's very, 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 very hard left. And that is probably the reason why cloud probably is not going to get as functionality because they have to make sure partners are making money. It just, it, it, it's very, very, very hard for SAP to manage the, the balance there. That, that is really an interesting topic and I'll not go too far into it because you could spend 10 minutes on that. But the, if, they're, if, if their offerings are getting closer and closer from differentiation standpoint, but they have legacy customer in, in the lower product in this particular case, they have to choose a path. They have to they they have to choose a path of either driving people towards the the higher product in this case the mid product or making this product really tailored for a niche you know and and if they're going to target it then they've got to they've got to have a transformation of their seven uh, whatever piece of that seventy thousand customers that they're saying or uh, to the next product so I bet you that we're if if the SAP guys are listening we're probably mirroring a lot of conversations you guys are having in your boardroom of trying to figure out your path. Yeah. Uh, to add to that, Phil, all I was going to say is they're going to have that challenge regardless because you have to imagine the majority of those 70,000 are going to be on-prem anyway. So they're going to have that 
they're going to have that challenge, that migration challenge, regardless of if they continue to to develop this and move people into the cloud or, you know, move them into their to their mid level. Yeah, don't tell SAP this. But leave this one. Leave this one on prem and let the other one be your cloud version, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so this is the cloud version, and I want to be absolutely clear here in terms of cloud because you will not be able to spot the difference. In fact, I struggle with it a lot. They both are going to appear very similar. You will not be able to spot the difference. So this is their cloud version, and if you see the menu up top you are going to get sales, purchasing, payments, accounting, service, uh, but all of these modules are super lean. Obviously, you are not going to find anything related to manufacturing production that is not there in the cloud version yet. Okay, I got, when I'm looking at the demo, I get confused even today. Okay, whether I'm looking at cloud or am I looking at on-prem and SAP is not going to be clear about their positioning, where they are overall. You have to be really informed and you have to pay a lot of attention drink a lot of coffee uh, to be able to find that. <laughs> okay, so we will be comparing and contrasting this with the on-prem. So uh, the other slides that we are gonna have are going to be far more uh, on-prem and you will see how powerful SAP Business One product was in the on-prem world. And that's why it has such great adoption because you know other products could not really match the capability that SAP Business One had in the on-prem world. We are going to see, but you know, it become, it become really hard for SAP somehow to replicate that in the cloud version and sell SAP Business by Design, which already has all of this. <laughs> okay, so here is how, now this is all on-prem, okay? Now this is not cloud. So in this particular case, if you actually pay attention to the difference in the menu, then you are going to see things like inventory, uh, procurement, production, MRP, uh, you know, all of that was not there in your cloud version. The functionality is not as tech. In fact, one of the top partners, SAP Business One partner, uh, if you look at their demo, they have pointed out that it is more of the reporting tool. The web is the reporting tool. So if you want to do more of the analytics on top of your on-prem instance, then you are going to be using web. Uh, I just don't get it why they are positioning it that way. Obviously, partners want to sell their IP. It's in their best interest to sell their IP. And that's why they want to sell on-prem a lot more than uh, than the cloud version. But as a customer, you need to make your mind in what you want. So here, I mean, SAP Business One overall from the layout perspective, it looks pretty. You are going to find all of those beautiful traceability, financial traceability that we saw in the case of Business by Design, where each of the document at each transaction, you can track inside the product. Uh, that is going to be available in your cloud variant as well, but the cloud variant is not going to have as thick operational functionality that you need. If you are simply buying it, maybe for accounting, maybe for procurement, maybe you are not-for-profit, then probably it's gonna be okay, but it's probably not gonna have the not-for-profit version. Um, but you know, if you are, let's say, distributing manufacturing, then obviously it's not gonna work, the cloud version. On-prem will work. Here, uh, you know, we have some more uh, slides and uh, the, some of the things that you may want to notice is going to be related to the company. So this is where the the whole single tenant versus multi-tenant versus single entity, multi-tenant uh, entity conversation will be there. So here, uh, you know, the way the, the product is structured, each of the, uh, the legal entity is going to be residing in a separate database. That's how this is structured. And that's why if you have UK, in the UK, also, you have multiple divisions. You know, all of them will require changing the user, changing the login, 
to move to them. So they are going to be completely separate databases as opposed to residing in, in one database. For example, let's say if you look at solutions such as NetSuite, InfoCall Industrial, uh, SAP S4 HANA, SAP Business by Design, Microsoft, uh, you know, Dynamics Business Central, all of them are multi-entity product and they can host all of these entities in one database as opposed to in multiple databases that will require separate login. This is more of the single tenant product. The comparable for this is going to be Macola, Cisro, uh, you know, Microsoft GP is the com- right comparable for, for this product. One of the things that I absolutely admire and love about SAP is the way their uh, user authorization is done. It's very intuitive for a business user. Uh, and again, doing this requires a lot more thinking in terms of what changes are going to go to the product. And that's probably the reason why SAP development is just so slow. The other products, they are super patchy. Uh, you know, the way the authorization is done, uh, you know, from the financial traceability perspective, in terms of what you want to enable, it is the SAP products are going to feel far more natural. And SAP Business One is no exception. Uh, the way the authorization is done, and again, this helps with the SOX compliance, uh, you know, any sort of GDPR, then uh, obviously you need to have really tight traceability or you are going to run into issues from the regulatory perspective. Okay, and here we are looking at the traceability overall from the balance sheet perspective. So a lot of products, when you are going to look at them in the market, and I want to be absolutely clear here, this is the on-prem experience. Okay, you might have this in the cloud experience, but this is the on-prem experience that you are looking at. And uh, in this particular case, one of the beautiful thing about SAP, and that could be because of HANA, that they have this power of providing the end-to-end traceability. Meaning if you are going to have balance sheet and you want to have the end-to-end traceability of the transaction. Meaning if you are going to click on the chart of accounts, if you are going to be clicking on any of the elements on your balance sheet, you can go to the real transaction. In that, you can go to the relationship map where you have the entire transaction capture. Now, this capability is going to be in Business by Design. This is going to be in SAP S4 HANA. So even the business one has that flavor, and I'm sure that is probably there in the cloud version as well, uh, you know, right now, but you are going to see all of that. So again, with SAP, irrespective of whether you are buying the smaller product or the big product, you are going to get all of those uh, good things uh, that that are part of the the overall SAP. Now, some of the things overall from the inventory perspective, uh, if you look at, uh, you know, for example, the UOM functionality, the unit of measure is one of the strongest. And I have seen this functionality in some other products. For example, let's say if you look at uh, products such as Cispro has very strong unit of measure support because the product is really uh, targeted for the distribution companies. Those are the ones that are going to require the unit of measure support. Uh, Business Central is okay, not too bad. Uh, You know, there are, so again, depending upon where the solution, SAP Business One uh, does really, really well in the space. So that's why they have a lot more capabilities overall from the item group perspective, from the unit of measure perspective. Uh, And then the way, uh, you know, they are going to have the items. So you have the inventory item, the sales item, the purchase item. Uh, Some of the solutions do not have that distinction and sometimes it's very, very, very hard to isolate. Okay, let's say if the item is already produced, but I don't want to sell it right now, can I disable that? Sometimes even in the bigger solution, when you look at the manufacturing solution, it becomes very hard to do that. But, you know, a product as small as SAP Business One has all of that. If you look at the architecture of the, the screens, the way they are designed, 
you know, it, 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 it appears very clear. So you look at the general, the purchasing data, the sales data. So it's really designed from the business user perspective. You don't have that clarity in a lot of different products. So even though, uh, you know, they might have a little bit architecture, but it becomes all over the place, uh, you know, they might call it something else. So here you are going to have very natural experience because typically your departments and the data sets are going to be segmented across your functional silos. And that's how SAP likes to structure. And again, this is a real product uh, that you are not going to get in any other products unless they are really well thought of and they are not just a bunch of acquisitions. Uh, some of the tools that you have overall from the purchase order perspective, you know, SAP has a lot of controls built in. So your data integrity is probably going to be uh, far superior in general when you are going to be making any changes. Uh, some people hate that, uh, but that as is designed to protect you. Especially in the case of SAP, you definitely need those controls. Uh, uh, the other things that I wanted to touch on the other slide is, uh, you know, SAP is not going to have as deep Excel capabilities. And again, the reason why SAP does not like Excel is because they are trying to promote as much control as possible overall from the product perspective. But they do provide you the capabilities to, let's say, copy the purchase order to purchase order right from the screen. Uh, you know, you can combine uh, multi one-to-end scenarios. That is all possible in case of SAP Business One. But you are not going to have as deep Excel capabilities again, uh, you know, because of the control. Because once you go out of the system, then it's very, very, very hard to enforce that control. And that's the reason why SAP really likes everybody to really live in the product. They are making it easier inside the product. They are not trying to, uh, you know, go outside of the product. Uh, and other things that I wanted to touch here is going to be overall the bill of materials and SAP Business One has three or four different bonds the way they support. And by the way, guys, I mean, we have seen in case of Apicor, NetSuite, Apicor is very well positioned in the manufacturing space. And, uh, you know, we were thinking that, you know, they are going to have the bombs that the way bombs are supposed to be designed, but they didn't have that. Even NetSuite, we, we could not see. But, you know, from the SAP perspective, if you look at the way SAP's bombs are designed, even though they are not going to have as strong manufacturing capabilities, for example, SAP Business by Design, even though it has very thick operational functionality, it is going to struggle with capabilities such as subcontract operations. Okay, it's really going to struggle with that. And most manufacturers are probably going to require support. Uh, okay, it also struggles with things like sales comp. You probably would require add-on. So these are going to be the challenges that you are probably going to face, uh, even in case of Business One, even though it is going to have very deep GL capabilities, it's going to have very strong UOM support, but when you look at the, the core manufacturing features that you are probably going to require, um, you might struggle uh, with all of those. But from the bomb perspective, the bomb is very natural. Okay, It supports three or four different bombs. It has the sales bomb, then it has the assembly bomb, then it has the template bomb, and then a production bomb. And the bomb is going to be as natural as the way we saw in case of Infor Cloud 3. And that is a very one of the fewest product that really captures the way the manufacturing bombs are supposed to be captured. Obviously, all the big ones are probably going to have those capabilities. But in case of SAP Business One, has very natural uh, structure of bonds. Okay, so this is the part that I really like about SAP Business One. And this is going to be the overall, and, and Andy, I would love to see here your comments as well. So some of the things that they are able to do it really well overall from the bomb scheduling perspective 
is going to be that they are able to capture the dates at each operation. So I don't know. I don't remember seeing in the case of Apex or Info definitely does not have that. Uh, I know for a fact. Okay, so that is going to be dates at the operation level. Okay, so this is going to be helpful. Let's say if you are producing a job that runs quickly, let's say within two hours on a man manufacturing, then no problem. You have your costing done, your scheduling done. But your if your jobs are going to be extending over the period of time, meaning let's say you produce something, then you stop for two days, and then after that you need to again schedule. And and even in the smaller manufacturing shop, you have those challenges because they cannot really run the the machine. Machine could be the bottleneck, and because of that, they have to wait for a day or two. So sometimes the scheduling becomes very hard. You need to go off the system to be able to manage this, or you need to, let's say, store this in the inventory first. So then you are going to create additional transactions to be able to store, and then you have to release, and then you have to find place to be able to store. So you know it becomes very complicated from the operational. But in the case of SAP, you have the dates at the operations level, and that helps you in uh, you know catering to these situations. And this is where, uh, let's say, if you are a very project centric engineer to order manufacturing organization uh, you know you are probably going to like the sap experience far more than any traditional manufacturing uh, centric solution because of this aspect number one the project management capabilities are going to be far longer uh, the uh, procurement and the resourcing is embedded as part of that and then you have the complete w wbs it's not just the budgetary task that you are trying to capture you are really going to have the the whole microsoft project experience, and then your scheduling is going to be slightly superior as well uh, overall from the scheduling perspective. By the way, again, this is available in on-prem, okay? You are not going to find all of this experience in cloud, and that's my challenge. Okay, why do you not have, obviously, business by design product is going to have, but, you know, it does not exist in this one as of today in the cloud. So, so Andy, let's just take two seconds to talk about scheduling, especially in SMEs. Uh, it's, it's, it's my experience that the majority of SMEs that have a um, legacy or even a little bit of a newer small ban or, or one of the lighter ERP systems are not using the ERP for scheduling. They're using spreadsheets and other backend things for scheduling. It, it, it's, it all, it's, it's a tipping point of being easier. It, it, it just, it's more direct just to work on a spreadsheet and work on the scheduling than it is to populate this. I wonder if this is robust enough to have somebody who's using spreadsheets to schedule their shop to move to the ERP. From those couple screens I saw, I'm not, they were pretty. I'm, and you put the dates in as Sam said, but is it enough? And have you seen your customers move to this type of a platform to schedule? I don't see that that often. Well, I think that's that Gantt chart that Sam was pointing out was for project management. Is that right, Sam? Uh, I couldn't so tell. It wasn't for tell. a work order. It was for a project. And that, that looks like production scheduling to me, but it's yeah. hard to tell. It's extremely small. I can't so, read it. So the Gantt chart is also going to be, and that's where, uh, you know, the, the beauty is, to be honest. Uh, it's really hard to produce grand chart in some of the other manufacturing because you don't have the start and end date and you don't have the buffer uh, that you typically need. So this is not going to be just for the WBS. It's going to be for production of the Oh, right, well, but my point okay. to Andy is the start and end date's great, but you you still aren't going to be able to really capacity plan off of that. And 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 you know you can do a lot with a spreadsheet when it comes to scheduling a small shop. So Andy, my question to you is: at at, at what point is there enough functionality in these for them to actually do scheduling? Well, I, I'm not familiar with the depth of what Sam is showing here, so I really can't comment on that. 
but you're right. Most ERP systems, they all claim to have scheduling, just like this one certainly does. And they, they all have the ability to demonstrate something called scheduling. But I find that what the, what the rubber hits the road is when you ask those ERP vendors for a list of customers, especially complex like engineered order, that are actually used. And I rarely come across any company use any of these for that purpose. I mean, I mean, the Infor products certainly do, but you know, I'm not familiar with companies using this tool, for example, that for scheduling. I mean, it sort of looks looks nice. So I, th I think that's that's just for manufacturers that might see this that really want to get off of the more manual scheduling process. It, it, it's worth a good deep dive on what these guys are really providing you when it comes to scheduling, because that there's a lot of functionality you need to really do that well. The thing about scheduling, it's like every other terminology in ERP, is that there's a hundred different definitions. And you really have to know what it is you expect a system to do before you can even know whether this one does or not. And that that's the, to me, that's the biggest problem that you just hit on, Andy, because somebody sitting through a demo is going to ask, hey, can I use this to schedule without any use cases, without really understanding what the output is that they need and without talking to the people that are probably handling the scheduling, scheduling from a manual standpoint today that have a real comfort level with their ability to move things around and kind of, you know, get production knocked out through Excel or whatever other other type of you know offline and or bolt-on tool all right guys so some more slides and then we can take some more comments uh so here uh you know this is the slide where we have the different localization and obviously the localization is going to be just phenomenal the number of countries that are going to be supported as part of the product it's probably going to be the most that you can find in any uh, small products so obviously it is designed for that the other things that i wanted to hit on and to be uh, this is the bomb and the infill. So this is the sales bomb. And in sales bomb as well, you have a lot more flexibility. You know, number one, the bomb is the sales bomb. So in case of sales bomb, you can really, uh, there are certain limitations bomb, the way sales bombs work versus how the assembly bombs are going to work. In some cases, they are you are allowed to change quantity. In some cases, you are not allowed to change the quantity. So typically, this functionality is going to be helpful with how you are going to be showing the bomb on the code and typically that is beneficial in case of your uh, distribution businesses sometimes you want the expanded contents of the the kit sometimes you don't want that so that's where this all function that's why they have so many different bombs the sales the template is going to be more of the configurator obviously sap business one is not going to have any configuration okay <laughs> So what if you are is a sales bomb, what, how do you define that? So sales bomb is going to be a bomb that is part of your code. So, so for example, let's say if you look at Epicor and four, right? I mean, they, they are going to have the estimate bomb, uh, if I'm not missing, right? Estimate, estimate is a, is a bomb as well. So let's say if you have the make to order situation, the sales order is going to have all of the components that you are going to have, and that is going to convert into the estimate. Estimate is, if they confirm, let's say if the customer you know confirms the code that okay uh, version one version two version three i like it okay bomb goes to your production floor and they start uh, you know producing it so this the sales bomb is going to be the whole idea of sales bomb is how you want to show on the so sometimes you know you have to remove certain things from the sales code perspective uh, not a lot of systems provide that flexibility in some cases you are going to need that flexibility because you know sometimes what you want to do is you want to show just the parent item and you don't want to so show all of the contents because then they will know how to produce that and then you are out of business. <laughs> uh, 
so so a sales bomb is just a more simple version of the bomb is that what you say now not no. simple i would say it's really related to the the configuration options that you are going to be needing uh, at the sales court level as opposed to at the production the uh, whole okay. idea of production bomb is you know how you want to manipulate that for the production sales is meaning how you want to manipulate for cold and yes in a lot of different businesses you need that flexibility you need that commercial experience that does not exist in a lot of different uh, sap uh, provides that natively for most the assembly assembly is is uh, the similar you know kitting i guess you know it's not really the so they have the assembly bomb and then they have the uh, your template bomb and template bomb is the configurable bomb but they don't really have the configurator so obviously if you are configured to order manufacturing uh, you are simply going to have a template but it's not really nearly as close to your configure configured to order manufacturing uh, but then you know in the bomb you are going to have all of those operations and this is where uh, uh, you know you are going to have the quantity you are and i'm trying to show the assembly bomb you can change the quantity in the template bomb you can change a lot more things you know in the sales bomb you might not be able to now here uh, you know this is the routing step that i was looking for in the case of apicor uh, netsuite i could not find those so these are the steps that i typically need for my bomb because that's how your manufacturing bomb is supposed to... and so one of the things that i really found and i was mentioning to you andy right so this is where you are going to find the setup but you are not going to have as much distinction overall in terms of how many different types of hours that you can capture so here you are going to have an option for uh, you know the runtime uh, you are also going to have waiting time but let's say if you look for the setup hours you look for move hours all of those options may not be there but at least you have the back flushing functionality at the material as well as at the labor level so you have some flexibility there and then this is the capacity planning module so this is the resource master data so the whole resource module is very sophisticated the way resourcing is done that is going to have uh, all of your um, you know dates as well as part of your capacity planning again that is very hard when i look at slightly more job centric manufacturing packages they don't accommodate for them it is always going to be the fast moving job in the same day and that's why they don't accommodate date but when you are looking at planning for your supply chain you need to have that date so that would be my challenge uh, with some manufacturing solutions that we have seen these these screens are actually intriguing you know they, they there's some the you know you can't really see them completely but it it looks like they've got some pretty good routing and some pretty good demand planning uh capabilities behind yeah, more this more than i thought that's for sure yeah more than i thought too from the earlier conversation there andy and and they're also got you know some consignment options and some other things like that which would be surprising if they're managing that type of functionality as well that's pretty advanced functionality yeah and this is where guys and this is the real bomb this is the production bomb as you guys uh, might be able to see it <laughs> okay so this is where you have the start date end date uh, you know you have the waiting days total days so you have the real days and again when you are looking at the real engineer to order situations you are not going to have those fast moving jobs that you are producing every day so that's where this is going to be super handy overall from the scheduling perspective if you look at the routing date calculator you have on a start date on end date so the whole gantt chart functionality is actually part of your bomb uh, which is really compelling and that's why i like sap business one a lot uh, but again this is on prem not cloud uh, okay i want to be absolutely uh, clear i was going <laughs> to ask i was going to ask for that distinction because that was exactly what was in my mind phil as you were making that comment 
thinking, okay, well, yeah, the screens look great, but what are we looking at? Are we looking at, <laughs> it's, you know, it's what are they be selling us? Just or by, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just by how Sam has been training us how to tell. These are these look like on-prem screens, right? Yeah. Do they sell both versions, Sam? Yeah, and uh, SAP is not going to tell you whether you are getting on-prem, and they'll push you to on-prem because they want to sell, obviously. And they know that they cannot compete using their cloud because it's good. So, you know, they'll make sure, or you are going to be looking at partners' IP. And partners will never tell you because sometimes you can buy on partners' paper. They will never tell you that you are buying their IP. So, yeah, yeah it's very, very, very hard to work with uh, SAP in that regard. Yeah, and again, that's where, I guess, you know, you need to talk to somebody who sort of knows the underpinnings of how these solutions are architected and structured. Um, so this is how the job traveler looks. And again, when we look at Apicor's job traveler, okay, I just could not feel how you can do manufacturing in Apicor. I, I was really concerned there. But this is how the, the job traveler looks, where you have the operation, operation has material, material has dates, <laughs> okay? So the dates is, is fairly compelling in my mind. So again, that's where the beauty is, again, on-prem experience as happy businessman was, that's why it is so popular and strong because you could do a lot more things. Um, you know, that's not possible now in, in the cloud world. Um, and by the way, the costing is very, very, very layered and deep as well that we could not see in any other uh, platforms. But in general, even the SAP partners, they just don't know how to demonstrate SAP products, to be honest. You will never uh, you know, hear or see them talking about these things, which are the real differentiator for SAP. Uh, they really struggle to demo that. And, uh, this is the real experience that you are going to get from the SAP perspective. So this is, again, it's built as part of SAP One. Can you, this is the kind of traceability that you are looking for. And we saw this is possible in case of your business by design, which is a pure cloud product, guys. I don't know why you would not consider SAP business by design. All of these things are available in SAP business by design, which nobody really likes for some reason. Well, this is how it displays traceability graphically like this? Exactly. This is going to be your end-to-end -end traceability of the transaction, starting from your purchase order, you know, whatever happened to that, how many ever returns, how many ever ARs, how many ever deliveries, um, you know, if something got rejected, quality, everything is going to be part of the same traceability. And that is going to be connected right from your balance sheet. Can you believe? Yeah. And that visual look of the process flows, they've carried that to S4 HANA. They, 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 that's, that's in their DNA and it's really slack. And by the way, you are also going to get the physical document and that's a big deal. Okay. Physical document is always hard with a lot of different products. So here, the physical document is going to be part of your, uh, which is just mind blowing. Uh, and the bin functionality, we saw this in case of your Microsoft Dynamics Business Central. It is very similar. It's very deep. And again, that's how the distribution set products are supposed to be. So bin has four layers. You have the warehouse, the aisle, the column, the shelf. Uh, that's how your bins are designed. But overall, the architecture is slightly cleaner and clearer. Business Central gets very confused when I look at it. OK, I just don't like it because, you know, we could see bins all over the place and we were not even sure what the hell bin was. Sometimes, you know, it had zone. It's very confusing product. In, in But, you know, SAP, the way it organizes for a business user, it's a dessert. The only challenge is it's not available in the, <laughs> right now. We're, well, we're pretty close to time, Sam. Yeah. I have, a, I have another question for you, Sam. Obviously, they've got these two versions, one's on-prem and one's in the cloud. And obviously, depending upon the, the client's specific expectation of the system, they're going to push them one way or the other. But let's say they want a more advanced system, but there's got to be in the cloud. So they push them to the cloud. Uh, how does that work? I mean, can they convert back to the on-prem version or if they find out it doesn't, it's not heavy enough or what? 
Phil has practical experience with that. Phil can tell you. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you can, you, can, you can always set up an instance on-prem. You, you might even do that for an environment because you want to have a, you know, a test environment or something. But I think if, you're gonna, if, you, if you fully implement cloud and then you want to go backwards and do the on-prem, it's another implementation. Sure it is. You might you know, you might, you'll, you'll be able to you'll be able to use some process flow and some other stuff, but the software packages have so much different capability that it, it's almost another implementation in, in my mind. And and I, I don't know why they're I they said in their thing, and Sam, if you want to disagree with that, you might have some different experiences, but they 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 said in their thing that they want to expand the cloud presence and get into the cloud presence with this particular product. I don't know if they mean it, and I don't know why they would want to do that. It seems like this is a perfect product for for it's deeper on functionality than I expected going Absolutely. through this, yeah. and and I think there's a really well, the good market for them. Deeper. The on-prem, yeah, it's it's it, and and so why is an SME that needs manufacturing capabilities and some of the bomb capabilities and other things we saw, why do they want to go to the cloud just because it sounds good? A lot you of know? companies are that way. They do no. it because... Phil, so just to be clear, if you are on, on-prem, you are not going to be able to access the system across your browser and on mobile. Okay, you are going to be VPNing to be able to use VPN, the product. that's the difference. Okay, yeah. so that's yeah, how but you so, use the... So, yeah, but people have been using VPN forever. And you can also, as you said, you can put some of the reportability type of issues into a cloud uh, access. With no. I, you're saying no? There's no way. Okay, that's not the same experience as that's why we have cloud. Okay, you won't experience, you know, across the devices and, and the. Browser. I want my cake and eat it too, Sam. <laughs> well, then, okay, then I'm gonna go. Then, then, then I'm gonna go, and I'm just. I, I don't know why VPN is a is a bad word, but I guess it is. But so. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's usually the reason why people work. Cost and performance. Yeah, cost. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but but so you go to the cloud and you don't get the functionality you want, and you end up with a bunch of workaround software in oh, order to get what you want. What does that cost you? <laughs> I I think a lot of people, though, you know, to that point, Phil, a lot of people aren't aren't kind of recognizing that limitation right out of the gate, especially they're sitting through these demos and you know asking some of the high level questions and um. You know, I, I think getting in some cases kind of the sales job on it, right? And and if you're already excited about that as a solution, it's easy to latch on to that and then kind of go down the path of well, it's too late. We're already we're already here, so let's just figure it out and make it work. Okay. And I think that's the big challenge uh, with all of this. Um, you know, it's it's getting back to Andy's point from earlier, knowing the questions to ask, continuing to dig in, talking about real world use case, right? What's happening in my business? How does that impact the process of this ERP and, and you know, the functionality of it and talking through those real examples? And, you know, unless you're engaging somebody that has already gone through at least one, if not multiple implementations, you don't know what you don't know. Sam, have you ever found or heard of anyone that got the demo on the on-prem version but thought they were getting the cloud version and bought the cloud version and realized, oh, my goodness, it doesn't do half of what I thought? Like the old, well, the old so, bait and switch thing? So you have both cases, actually. Okay, so we have seen some crazy scenarios, and I don't know what these partners are trying to do. Okay, so they are somehow able to create that web experience, even in case of your on-prem software. Okay, so probably you don't need to do VPN because when... VPN is a very inconvenient experience, Phil. It's not as easy. So, for example, let's say if I want to use my my you know cloud uh, on-prem software on my system, 
I need to first of all connect with my VPN. Let's say if I am in a client meeting or whatever, and I am trying to get to my my ERP, uh, you know what that is going to do is it's actually going to disconnect my okay for ten minutes, and I need to figure out okay how that is going to work, and then finally get back. First of all, I need to authenticate my. It's a very 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 inconvenient experience, but somehow SAP partners have figured out okay how to enable that web experience using the on-prem version. So even if you are looking at SAP Business One, some partners are able to sell it as pure cloud when it is not pure cloud. So be careful when you are looking at SAP. SAP Business One is one of the most oversold uh, product in general. Uh, you know the way partner. Right, and I and I hear you on VPN. Except for I've been doing VPN for twenty, thirty years, right? And you know, unlike Andy, I got all my hair. So you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that one. horrible. Well, you know, I'm, we've I'm been doing it forever. I'm always jealous. I'm always jealous of all three. Yeah. <laughs> and, and last time when we were discussing about the double tabbing scenario, and you were like, "Well, you know what? I definitely want my double tab." Right? Yeah. With Salesforce, Sam, I can't live without it. Now you are okay with VPN, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta tell you, you just contradicted yourself. I said, "Well, why don't you just make a way for the on-prem to look like cloud access?" And you said I was crazy, didn't know what I was talking about. And then you just said that these guys are doing it. So you got to pick which road you're going to be on here, man. All right, guys, too much fun. All right, so we are close to our time now. And I can take some more short comments if you have. Otherwise, we need to close. Uh, the only comment I want to make is that, you know, this is looking at these, the functionality in the on-prem version is very surprising. A lot, and, and what you were saying earlier, a lot of the SIs have built their own add-ons or are marketing their own add-ons all over the place. Uh, to do with more advanced manufacturing capabilities. So just make sure you know what you're getting when you buy it. If it's, if it's a bolt-on, make sure the support is there with the SI, not third-party support, and you're going to get finger-pointing. Just make sure you know what you're getting into before you uh, put pen to paper. Okay, amazing. Any other short comments, guys? Phil, Dave? All right, guys, that's a wrap. So if you're looking at SAP Business One, be really careful because obviously you are dealing with SIs and they are incentivized to sell their own IP. It's a great product, but you know, be really careful with the contract uh, as well as with the product. And that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another solution. On that note, I want to thank everybody for their time and insight. Thank you so much, Sam. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about ND Practical, head over to ESSoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T.com. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to RinglingBusinessSolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G. B-U-S-I-M-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Marsha Williams, who discusses various components of MRP planning and where MRP fits in the process. Also, the interview with Abu Asif, who shares his insights into the processes of cannabis businesses in Canada. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform 
or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.